All right. Good morning, Axis Church. All right. You guys are lively. That's good. Well, I uh, have three words for you this morning. Um, you got this. You got this. All right. And that is the title of my message. And so I just want you to look at somebody around you. Just look them right in the eyes and say, you got this. All right. I don't think they believed it. <laughs> say it one more time. You got this. All right, well, you guys know this about me, but I have this way of getting myself into these situations that, um, you know, when I say yes to them, they sound like a good idea, and then when it comes around, I'm like, what was I thinking? And uh, so this morning, um, four months ago, I, I think, I, I said that I would be part of a flying pig relay, and uh, I, I really didn't pay much attention to the calendar. I thought, you know, these things would probably run on Saturdays, but they're run on Sundays. And uh, so when my alarm clock went off at 3.45 this morning, I was thinking, like, what am I doing? Like, what am I? And I'm on this team with a bunch of people that are faster than me. And so I'm, like, going to go run this flying pig relay. I told Caroline about this this morning. She's like, dude, that is diesel. You ran a relay already? And my wife is standing there in the lobby. She's like, I can think of another D word, dumb. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I think it's somewhere in the middle. And uh, honestly, in, in, in hindsight, I was stressed out now like, as I was going into it today because the weather, like if there's any delay, like, if anything doesn't go right, or if I like somehow don't run like my best time ever, uh, I'm going to have, because I got to like get back. My dad was picking me up. Like, I, everything has to go perfectly, and it wasn't a perfect kind of morning, and uh, so we get down there. I'm like, okay, it's like just hectic. I've never done it before. I got all the questions. As I'm kind of going up, like in my mind, every, all, this week, a bunch of people were like, oh, you got the first leg. Okay. Like, this was a thing that the runners know about that I don't know about. Like, the first one, yeah, yeah, um, good luck with that. And then everybody in the line is saying kind of the same thing. How'd you get, they, they gave you the first leg? Like, man, your friends must hate you, you know? And I'm, I'm like, this is not going to be good. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, what is, what, what am I doing? And then I get on the PA and they're like, uh, yes, uh, this, you know, flying pig commission or whatever. Your safety is our top priority. So we're going to continue on with the race today, and uh, if you have any safety concerns, then, you know, go ahead and sit out. Like, I'm like, okay. all right, well, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run, and uh, so I got out there, and uh, I'm just like, run, I'm like, here we go. You know, I got to do this perfectly, get out into the race, and the whole, I'm thinking like, this could be a really bad idea, and in my mind, like, I've got to get back to church. Like, I, I have got to get back, like, I don't care what it takes, like, I got to get back here, and so I'm running, and I mean... All of a sudden, you guys know you were around this morning, like the sky just opened up about mile two. You know, I'm feeling pretty good at this point. It's like mile two, like I'm like more rainfall than I've like seen in my lifetime, like in Cincinnati, like, all of it coming down. And some guy like next to me goes, that's all you got? I'm like, don't say that. <laughs> don't. And sure enough, I'm like, I don't know that guy. Like it just comes pouring down and it's lightning. I mean, all over the place, like just light show. And like, I mean, honestly, at that point, I'm just having a good time. I'm enjoying, I'm running and uh, just making it. But I'm still thinking the whole time, like, what am I doing? And three things uh, motivated me throughout my six mile stretch. And uh, number one was not getting struck by lightning. That was, I ran a better time than I think I've ever run because I'm like, you just got to get out of here, you know? And something about your adrenaline pushing you in that moment, you're just running faster and faster. As the rain comes down harder, somehow I'm like, like as if, you know, when it rains outside and you're like trying to get faster to your car, 
Like, for some reason, I, I must have thought my car was close. Because, like, I'm, every time it runs harder, I'm like, or uh, rains harder, I'm running faster. So, so the lightning got me moving. The other thing was this really cool atmosphere down there. Like, you, and people kind of told me this, but even in the rain, like, there's just people all along, like, just cheering you on, like, holding up signs, like, you got this. I mean, some people were a little discouraging. Like, one guy, you know, yelled out something along the lines of, you don't want to see where the sausage is made because it's the flying pig and, I guess, dead pigs. I, I don't know. Um, so I was like, that wasn't very funny to me. But um, I'm continuing on, and at one point, we passed this nursing home, and there's a bunch of, late, like, old ladies in their wheelchairs serving orange juice, like, on the side. I was like, I just feel like I need to get a, you know, some orange juice. Like, this is amazing. And, uh, but anyway, all, all through, that's one of the things that just kept me going was all of these signs, all these people like, you got this, you're doing great. You know, a couple of them say like, you remember you paid for this? Like, you paid to do this, you know? Um, and number three was getting back in time to preach. So you were the other reason. You were my other motivation for getting it done. And so what I'm saying is, I almost died for you guys, okay? I'm just saying so don't say I didn't ever do anything for you. And at one point, toward the end of the race, I was on my fifth mile, and I hear these guys, and it wasn't quiet. They're yelling, shelter in place, race postponed, shelter in place, race postponed. I'm like, did you guys hear anything? I didn't hear anything. <laughs> like, I, I got a mile to go, you know, and people are, like, pulling off to the side. There's about 50% of the people that are like, nope, we're moving. And so I also defied authority for all of you, okay, and here we are, um, but one of the signs that really struck me, and this, it just struck me because this was really the theme of the day, it was a sign that somebody held up that said, let us run with endurance, the race marked out for us. And so once again, I say to you, you got this. And in particular, you got this when it comes to running your race. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why I believe that you have this. And I, and I bet some of you come in here this morning, you're like, you know what? I'm like on the verge. If you only knew, like I, I did just drag myself to get here this morning. Like I'm on the verge of just giving up. Or I'm on the verge of giving in in some way. Like I just, I, it's just not going well, whatever it might be. Or, or maybe life's just been pouring down on you for just miles upon miles. And you're like, like where is the end of this rainstorm? Like I just, maybe you're emotionally drained. Or maybe you're kind of in the middle of a difficult relational season. Or maybe you're just trudging along and you're like, you know what, I'm just trying to do the best that I can. Uh, maybe you're thinking, you know what, my faith is not in the place that I want it to be right now. Wherever you're at today, I want to say to you, you've got this. You've got this. And I want to tell you why, and it's not so much me telling you why, is speaking the word of God into your life this morning from 1 John where we've been camped out. And so here's the words from John to, uh, to fellow runners. And I can just picture John as he's writing these words almost as if he's kind of on the sidelines, you know, of our race. Like, come on, you got this. Come on, you got this. And he writes these words almost in like sign form to hold them up to us as we run our race. And here's what he says. He says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. 
And so let's allow John to tell us why we've got this this morning. And it's interesting because he speaks to, as he kind of talks about different age groups, you know, what he's talking about is not, you know, necessarily actual ages. He's talking about different people at different places in their race. You know, different parts of the journey, he's saying, he's speaking into them. You know, whether it be kind of in a spiritual level, a child, somebody that's kind of in infancy in their faith, or, you know, somebody that's now kind of progressed to this place of being a father. And he's almost like a grandfather, like speaking over those that are further down the way. And so um, we're going to kind of see what he has because these truths uh, really still apply to all of us. We don't just kind of, once we're kind of grow out of spiritual infancy, no longer need those previous truths. They just sort of pile on top of each other. And so let's look at those uh, this morning. And the Apostle Paul also uses the race analogy when he says, in the race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. How can we run in such a way to get the prize, but also, why do you know that you got it? And so verse 12 says this, I'm writing you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. So we're just going to break this down. Your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And I, I, he says, dear children, I love that. He's speaking to these folks that are really infants in the faith and saying, this is like foundational for you to understand that your sins have been forgiven. And so it doesn't matter how far along you are in your spiritual race. You might be right at the starting line and you still have the same heritage that the person does down here in terms of forgiveness, right? And so this is an important thing to note. And so he writes this, I'm writing you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of your name. No, it doesn't say that, does it? I tried to trick you. Your sins have been forgiven on account of your merits. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Your sins have been forgiven because you are a God-fearing church-going, regular attendee. doesn't say that. Your sins have been forgiven because you're less of a sinner than the guy next to you. Sorry, I'm not saying anything about your neighbor, but maybe, maybe I am. Um, your sins have been forgiven because you've made all the right choices in life. No, your sins have been forgiven. It has nothing to do with you. And that's incredibly good news. And an important note, again, it doesn't matter where you're at in that spiritual journey. Your sins have been forgiven. Why? On account of his name. You ever do just like things that like, and you, you guys already know the answer for me, but um, you, you ever just have exercises in futility where you're like doing a chore or a task and you're like, I am like going backwards of anything. Like I am just not getting anything done with this. And it seems like the harder you try, like the worse it gets. You ever have that? It's usually like when you try to do something like late at night or whatever it might be, or you just get to kind of the end and it just gets worse and worse. I, I, I have had this shed in my garage for like a year and I'm like, we're getting this up. And uh, we, we had our driveway done not too long ago. And I'm like, I'm going to use some of the extra gravel from the driveway. I'm going to put it where the shed's going to go and we're going to spread it all out. So I told Jess, it's like, just hey, babe, just stake out where I kind of have an idea, like where we want this thing to go. And so she stakes it out. And I'm like, I'll just move the gravel. I'm like, I like to work out. It's fine. Like shovels into wheelbarrows. And like three hours later, I had all these big piles of gravel. I was like, I was just like exhausted. I was coming in and like spread it all out, you know, in the middle of these stakes. And then I'm inside and I start seeing Jess like looking out the window. I'm like, this is not good. This is not good. And she's like, you know, she's kind of got this like, and then she asked me a question. She says, 
do you think we're really going to want to like look at that like right here, like right out of this door, like to have the shed right here? I knew the right answer, you know? It's like, well, what do you think? Like, because uh, you're asking me for a reason, right? And, uh, but my answer at the time was, please don't ask me about this right now. Like, I just got done for three hours, like moving a pile of gravel from us. Like, just don't, don't ask me about this right now. But you guys guessed it, the, the shed was not going to end up there, which means that pile of gravel was going to go somewhere else. And so I'm like looking at this, I'm like, I'm backward. Like I, I literally like have, have, have spent three hours for nothing. And so bottom line, moved all that gravel again. I'm like this is the place. Like I don't, we're not moving this thing again, but all these loads of gravel later. And it just felt like, and then I hadn't even got to the shed yet. And by the way, like I bought the shed that's like the Ikea furniture of sheds. Like, it has more screws than I've ever seen in my life. I'm still not done with it. There's no roof on it. Like, everything's just coming in right now with the rain. Uh, but you ever have one of those things, like, where it's just like, man, this is just, this is going nowhere. Well, what's the point? I, I, the point is this. There is no greater futility than aiming to earn our own forgiveness. To try to think that, and we all do it. That somehow, like, I can be good enough on my own effort, on my own merit to get there and to be somehow righteous, like, even in our own eyes, right? That somehow that we can do that on our own power, on our own effort, and it's easy to forget. But Paul or, or uh, John reminds us here, he says, listen, it's not on account of you. It's on account of his name. And Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Your status as one who is forgiven is not dependent on you. You have been forgiven, are forgiven, will remain forgiven on account of his name. And that's incredibly good news. Not on your performance, how many good deeds you stored up, how many bad deeds you avoided. None of those things. Hopefully I've beaten that point to death at this point, right? It's on account of his name. Verse 13 goes on to give us another reason why I know that we've got this. And that is that he goes on to say, I'm writing to you fathers. So he's kind of speaking to those that are a little bit more spiritually mature at this point. Because you know him who is from the beginning. And then he brings the children back in. I am writing to you young men or young men because you have overcome the evil one. We'll talk about the, the first part here in just a little bit because he goes on to repeat it. But, um, so we'll talk about the knowledge idea in just a minute. But um, there is a sense, because if you notice here that not you will overcome. You notice the tense there? You have overcome. And that's interesting because it's like we're talking about the victory, like that victory already happened. And I don't know if we live that way. Like as if we're already like firmly in the victory and we're living as victorious people and we're living out of that victory. Is that how we live? I'd, I'd say for many of us, probably not. But let me bring you back to a moment. And this moment lies at the center of our faith and is a moment when Jesus hung up on that cross of Calvary, bearing all of our sin and bearing the defeat that all of us deserved on the cross. By the way, crosses were for criminals. They weren't meant for the God of the universe. But there he bore the entire weight of all of our sin on his battered body, blood streaming down his face, and he spoke a word, and that word in Greek was to tell a stop. 
You know what that means? It is finished. It's finished. Jesus declared victory right there in that moment. And John recounts this moment in the gospel, in his gospel, when he says, after this, when Jesus knew that all things were now completed in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And then two verses later, he utters the word himself. Then he received the sour wine and Jesus said, it is finished. And he bowed his head up and he gave up his spirit. Followers of Jesus, it is finished. You have overcome. You have victory. The medal already has your name on it. As Christine Kane says, we fight from victory, not for victory. And that is subtle, but it's important for us to live in such a way. That doesn't mean that we still don't work, we still don't labor, but it's just a different motivation and it comes from a different place. You see, we must continue to fight. We must continue to stay in the race. We must rest, uh, recognize that the enemy of our souls looks to disqualify us. And again, back to 1 Corinthians where Paul says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. He's like, I'm not messing around here. This is serious business, and I'm going to continue to take hold of that victory, and I'm going to continue to live in that victory, and I'm going to continue to lead others into that victory, and I'm going to do everything I can to be disciplined enough that I do not become disqualified because that's the enemy's goal for you. Jesus fights for you, and we fight from a place of victory, but we've got to stay in the race. We've got to keep running. But because Jesus has declared victory, because he has said, it is finished, I can confidently say to you, you got this. Verse 14, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. He's saying, listen, children, you know the Father. You have knowledge of the Father, and this word is really important here. Fathers, you know him who is from the beginning. Notice the two aspects of God captured here. The Father, the intimacy of the Father, and the infinite of Almighty God, the one who is from the beginning. The Father, you know, the one who is from the beginning. And I think it's important to live kind of in the middle of this beautiful tension of the infinite and the intimate. Mature knowledge of God involves a growing awareness of both of those things. And of all the words that John uses in his uh, letter here, guess which word he uses the most? You would think it was love. This is like the love book, right? Well, he uses that 33 times. He uses the word light six times. He uses the word life 15 times. That word koinonia, fellowship, he uses four times. You know what word he uses 38 times? No. No. That's the word that he uses the most. It must be important. Well, it's more than important. It's everything. And it's more than just this head knowledge, this knowing about God. It's about knowing God in the relational sense, in a, through relational experience. It's a deep-rooted connection forged through time together and sometimes forged through the fires of pain and challenge. Jesus' words in John 15, 4 must be our chief aim. Make your home in me as I make my home in you. It is knowing God that keeps us moving forward. I can't remember if I've told this story before, but um, this comes from a book that uh, Brennan Manning writes, and he writes about this missionary um, family who came home on furlough. 
And uh, they were staying at this lake house of a friend. And so uh, they were in the States um, spending time with their friend. And, and on one particular day uh, while they were there, dad was kind of down in the boathouse. Mom was up in the kitchen with, um, with the three little children, ages four, seven, and 12. They were all, mom was in the kitchen, but the, the three kids were out kind of on the lawn. And four-year-old Billy escaped his sister's watchful eye and wandered down to the dock. And the shiny aluminum boat caught his eye, but unsteady feet landed him in eight feet deep water. When the 12-year-old screamed, Dad came running out as fast as he could. Realizing what had happened, he dove into the murky depths. Frantically, he felt for his son, but twice out of breath, he came back to the surface. Filling his lungs once more, he dove down and he found Billy clinging to a wooden pier several feet under. Prying the boy's fingers loose, he bolted to the surface with Billy in his arms safely ashore. And his father asked, Billy, what were you doing down there? And the little boy quickly replied, just waiting on you, dad, just waiting on you. And though he was a young child, his experience with the Father fueled his faith in the Father. And we must continue to build our confidence in God's faithfulness. It comes through knowledge and deep connection. And what I'll tell you is this, frequency builds familiarity. Meaning the more time, the more time you put in with anybody, right, you're going to build familiarity. And familiarity then strengthens our faith in that person especially when it comes to the faithful God. The more experience we have with God and his faithfulness, the more faith we have. And the Bible says that faith moves mountains. And so it is through frequency that we build familiarity and familiarity that builds faith and faith moves mountains. Faith moves us forward into God's version of our future. And because you know him, and because you can know him and you can know him more, I can confidently say to you this morning that you got this. Verse 15, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Again, repeating this phrase, you have overcome. But I like this part, you are strong. If you know, we have all boys at home and uh, one of the things that little boys like to do is, at least at our house, they like to flex their muscles. You ever seen like little boy flexes, you know, and they're like, all the time, they're like, dad, feel my muscles, you know, and it's like, boom, and I'm like feeling, I'm like, I think I'm just feeling your bone. I don't know, like, but, you know, and I'd teach them the little trick, like when I was a kid, like you just like push up on the inside, like, look at this, like, you can make it look a lot bigger, you know, and they're like, look at, you know, feel my muscles, and I'm just like, man, you guys are so strong, you know, like, you're so strong. And uh, it cracks me up, you know, because in their minds, they're like, yeah, look at these things. Like, they're growing, you know. And I'm like, no, you're not that strong, you know. Don't tell them I said that. But here's the thing. Any strength that we claim to possess apart from God is like a little kid just flexing their muscles. Like, well, I got strength on my own. Like, God, look at how strong I am. Like, just look, right? And we fool ourselves into thinking that, too, that somehow on my own power, on my own ability, like, I have some strength, right? But we should take no pride in our supposed strength. Rather, we should follow the Apostle Paul's lead when he says, if I boast, I only boast in the Lord. Why? Because any strength we possess comes solely from him. You are strong. Why? Because the word of God lives in you. 
Eugene Patterson was somebody who just loved God's Word. He's the one that wrote the message version of the Bible, and he would just pour over the Bible. I mean, when you read about him, I'm reading a, um, a biography about him right now, and just like this man's like devotional time is something that I would aspire to. But he writes this. He says, without this text firmly established at the authoritative center of our communal and personal lives, we will flounder. We will sink into a swamp of well-meaning but ineffectual men and women who are mired unmercifully in our needs and wants and feelings. You ever been there? In the light of this, this is what James says. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And then he gives this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We must receive with meekness, right? Because it takes a lot of humility to say, I want this to be the authority of my life, not what I feel, not what I think, not what everyone around me is saying or doing, but to say, no, I, I will receive this with meekness, with humility. We must receive it with meekness, and we must respond to it in action. That is our strength. When we understand that God is living and active in us, that the word is in us, and we continue to hide it in our hearts, as David said. Carl Barth insists that we do not read this book and the subsequent writings that are shaped by it in order to find out how to get God into our lives get him to participate in our lives. No. We open this book and find that page after page, it takes us off guard, surprises us, and draws us into its reality, pulls us into participation with God on his terms. Receive with meekness the implanted word of God. And when you do, you will see a strength. Live that in your life. It might not always feel like it, but you will see what strength really looks like. And so regardless of what you face today, let me say it once more. You've got this because God's got you. We run our race with endurance and hope, knowing that God runs before us and God remains with us. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for all of the things that we sung about today, God, for your blood poured out for us. We give you thanks for the word today, God, that we had the ability to just hear from, God. And I just pray that you would encourage some hearts this morning, God, that you would breathe fresh life into someone, that you would allow someone to receive those three words, God, from your heart to theirs, just saying to them, you got this. And God, we know and we can trust you. We've seen your track record. As that one song goes, you've never lost a battle. You won't lose one now. And God, we know that we won't lose a battle either if we just continue to allow you to stand beside us and to work within us, God. And so we invite you today to do that. We pray, God, that we would be those that receive your word with meekness and respond in strength. We thank you, God, for your word eternal spoken over us. We thank you for your gift of Jesus on the cross that allows us to walk in victory and live in victory and to run our race with endurance. Give us endurance. Be our strength, we pray in Jesus' name.